be in Luke chapter 23. I'm going to be reading out of the Christian Standard Bible, and we're going to begin at verse 32, beginning at verse 32, and we're going to read down to 37. And so it says, two others, criminals, were also led away to be executed with them. When they arrived at the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. The people stood watching and even the leaders were scoffing. He saved others, let him save himself if this is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. God has been trying to deal with us according to our heart. And this is what I was telling uh, the audience last night. You know, we have a, a, a heart problem. You know, we got a heart condition. And there is only one surgeon that uh, specializes in our particular heart condition. And there's only one surgeon, there's one, only one physician that can truly uh, uh, um, uh, deal with our particular type of heart problem. The Bible uh, tells us, you know, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's the King James Version. Jeremiah said that in, in chapter 17. The Christian Standard Bible says it another way, which I kind of like. It says the heart is more deceitful than anything else. And then it goes on to say, and incurable, incurable. And mm, that is something um, to take note of, incurable. And so I would say that that incurable, deceitful, desperately wicked heart of ours that we tend to have, uh, the cure has been the blood that was shed upon the cross. It was the work that Jesus did upon the cross that delivers the cure for that desperately wicked heart. See, when we accept the Holy Spirit within us, the Holy Spirit is able to override the condition of the heart. That's the cure for that desperately wicked heart. See, because man's heart is always going to be desperately wicked. We're always going to be, like Paul said, striving to do the things that we ought to do, but, you know, just can't seem to get it right. But see, when we accept the Holy Spirit, we allow the Holy Spirit to dwell within us, then what happens is the Holy Spirit is able to override that condition of the heart. Come on. All right. Now, the problem is that, well, not the problem. I will say it this way. The issue was on that fateful day at Calvary, what happened was the people had not yet received the Holy Spirit. We had a, a lot of people around the cross that did not have the Holy Spirit within them. 
And so that kind of leads us into where I want to begin today, where I want us to kind of begin today, which is dealing with that heart condition of man. I want us to think about the vehement hatred that the high priests, that the Pharisees, that the Sadducees, and many, if not most all, of the Jews of that day head toward Jesus. That's where I want us to kind of settle ourselves at in that moment. So much hatred toward one man. So much hatred toward someone that spoke nothing but peace and love. So much hatred toward someone that only did good. Never said a vow word toward anybody. Never cursed anybody. Never, you know, like, no reason to have so much hatred towards one person. Why? Why? To lead up to this moment of, 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 of this tender, loving soul hanging on the cross. Fastened, nailed, hammered to a cross. Consider if you would, Saul, standing by jeering and, 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 and assisting the crowd of people as they were selecting stones to pelt Stephen to death. I say, why? Why? Here the Bible says that Stephen was full of grace and power, and he was doing the same thing that his Lord and Savior was known for doing, performing great wonders and signs among the people. Somebody just simply loving on the people, healing the sick and the blind, setting free the captives. And here we have so much hatred towards one person that we're going to stone you to death. And they said that his face was shining like that of an angel's. And yet even in that, I hate you so much, I'm going to pelt you to death. And of course, in my mind, I'm like, okay, these are, are, are Jewish people. These are the Israelites. They, they, they must understand the significance of his face shining because they talk about their father, Moses, whose their, his face shone because he was always in the presence of God. And so you see another man's face shining. Don't that instantly make you think of Moses? And you, yet you want to pick up rocks and, you know, stone? It's not like he did anything wrong. Why? I want to read a couple of verses out of Acts 6. It says, this is what this this that, that heart condition, alright? And that's that's why I want to read this so we can we can pin we can we can dial in on that heart condition. At verse 11 it says, they secretly persuaded some men to say, we heard him speaking blasphemy blasphemous words against Moses and God. Again, remember, his face was shining like an angel's. His face was shining like Moses' face shined. And yet they're going to go and say, you know what? He was talking bad about Moses. But God got his face shining like Moses' face did? Really? Verse 12, they stirred up the people, the elders, 
and the scribes. So they came, seized him, and took him to the Sanhedrin. 13. They also presented false witnesses who said this man never stopped speaking against the holy place and the law. Man, that sounds a lot like what they was talking against my Lord and Savior. Same type of lies they told on Jesus. And here, another faithful follower of Jesus, they doing the same thing. But Jesus told us this before he left. He said, look, they hated me. They're going to hate you, too. All right. So Stephen knew this going into the game. This wasn't a surprise to him. And if you go on and you keep reading, you'll see that Stephen, just like his Savior, asked for their forgiveness. To forgive them. I mentioned this. For two reasons. I bring up Stephen, this account with Stephen for two reasons. One, because it again shows that the heart condition persists beyond the coming of the Holy Spirit. Okay. See, the Holy Spirit is here, but it can only deal with the heart condition when we allow the Holy Spirit to rest, rule, and abide within us. And these people obviously had not done so. And so we see that heart condition at work again here upon Stephen. Second reason I bring up Stephen is because it gives us an example and shows us that we ought be just like our Savior and willing to suffer even to the point of death because we know that the resurrection was real. See, Stephen knew that he rose. And like Paul told us, listen, if he didn't raise all of it, if he didn't raise up from the grave, all of what we're doing is for nothing. And that's why all of them, all of the disciples, all of the apostles, everybody was willing to suffer a horrendous and violent death because they knew that the Savior had rose and that his promises were true. And because his promises are true, I'm willing to face it. I'm willing to put this mortal life on the line in order that I may have an eternal life with that of the Father. In glory, in heaven, in paradise. As he told the criminal that was on his side, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Let's move on and think about the priests that orchestrated this faithful event. Think about them going and running to the temple as the earth shook and the sky darkened. And they get inside the temple and, whoa, they stop in their tracks the veil that separates the Holy of Holies is ripped. But not just any type of rip. It's from the top down. It's torn from the top down. And they look upon this veil. And they're like, yeah, okay. 
we got we we got look we can't let the people know about this we gotta you know what i'm saying uh we got we gotta come up with something before we want walk up out of here and they get together and they 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 conclude and they 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 plot and they say you know okay here's here's the story this is what we're gonna tell them to happen to the veil you know we can't have them knowing that the veil was ripped and that they now have access to the holy of holies themselves and they don't need to come to us anymore we gotta preserve our position we gotta lie. Let's move on. Can you imagine the indifference, the indifference and the lustful greed of the soldiers that would consent to taking a bribe, that would consent to lying after they have stood all night on duty watching the dough, make a show like, okay, Ain't, ain't nothing, you know, ain't, ain't nobody coming, ain't nobody, you know, own nothing, you know, because remember, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the high priests, they were concerned about their position, so they made sure that there were guards there to guard that entrance and make sure ain't no, no funny stuff going on, and these Roman soldiers, they were professionals. This wasn't like no they, they first time around, you know what I'm saying? So they, they knew how to do their job. They knew how to stand on post and, and, and stand uh, uh, as a sentry on guard. And they watched that tomb. And when it got opened, it was empty. They witnessed the empty tomb. They witnessed the body going in. They witnessed them placing the body down and wrapping it up. And, and they witnessed them closing the tomb. And, and they stood there and they watched it all night. And when it got open, it was empty. And they, yet they still chose, you know what? I'll take that bribe. I will lie. All right. I'll lie. It's fine. You know, I really don't care what these... Jews believe about their so-called God and I don't really care, you know, what 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 really happens. I'm going to make me a couple of dollars. I wonder where their money is right now. I wonder where they are right now. For the money that they took to take the uh, take the bribe and to lie. Okay, my note takers, we're going to look at Matthew 27. We're going to look at a few verses here. And of course, again, we're in selling the Christian Standard Bible's version. At verse 50, it says, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up the spirit. So this right here is the moment of actual death. Right. Verse 50, 51, suddenly, here's that veil, suddenly the curtain of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked and the rocks were split. Now, when they say rocks, they're not talking about like some little pebbles or, or, or hand-sized stones. They, they, they talk about boulders right. were split. The earth shook, was divided, rock split. 
52. The tombs were also open. Now, here's a kicker that we really don't talk much about. But this is a big part right here. 52 is huge. This is huge. The tombs were also opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep are raised. We're worried. Raised. Not complete the complete resurrection, but a foretaste. <laughs> yeah. The resurrection. Just like what he had did with Lazarus. The tombs are open. And what pops out? The bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep. Those who had believed and trusted in the Messiah. In the coming Messiah. Were raised. Those disciples that followed him for those three years that had gone asleep. I say with air quotes, the head passed on, were raised. A foretaste of the coming resurrection. It's telling, and this is a sign to let the people know that listen, yes, the resurrection is real. Amen. You will be raised. The only difference is when the full resurrection comes, we'll have new bodies. We won't be raised into these mortal bodies, but we'll have new bodies. But this is a huge, huge, huge point that need not be grazed over. Let's move on. 53. They came out of the tombs after his resurrection. After he's raised, because remember, he's the first first of fruits. We have the saints raised. And they entered the holy city and appeared to many. People saw these resurrected saints. They laid their eyes on them. They touched them. They embraced their loved ones that had passed on. They sat down and broke bread with those who had passed on before. Because the Savior was now resurrected. The saints are now resurrected. And the people saw it with their own eyes. Their loved ones Embrace those whom they thought had passed on. All right. And let's look at the last one, fifty-four. And here we go again. The centurions, the soldiers, and those with him who were keeping watch over. Jesus again. They was on duty. They're on post. These are professional soldiers. Think of your 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 your, your uh, think of a uh, 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 army guy or MP uh, that that guarding the base, and you know he got night duty. He's he's watching the gate overnight. He on look, ain't nobody getting past him. They're trained. They're professional soldiers. Ain't nobody getting past. And remember. Rome was a superpower at the time. They was dominating the globe. They taking over countries and nations left and right. Jerusalem was just another, uh, Israel was just another country in their path. These are professional soldiers and they're watching the tomb. Saw the earthquake and the things that had happened. They were terrified and said, truly this man 
was, is the Son of God. Yet, yet, that heart condition. You see, the enemy, the devil, a demon, whatever you want to call them, they can confess, like, yeah, you know, you God, but they still going to be nasty, evil, and wicked. They're going to do what devils do. They're going to do what demons do. And here, here, here you have a clear example. These demons sit here and say, yeah, this truly was the son of God. He truly was who he said he was. Okay, how much you say you going to give me? And all you want me to say is what? Okay, yeah, no problem. I don't mean nothing to them. Their heart condition is raging because they don't have the Holy Spirit within them. They haven't gotten to that point where, where they're able to say, yeah, you know, uh, if I perish, I perish. You know, if I die, I die. But I'm going to stand on this one. He truly was the son of God. They hadn't gotten there. The shining face of Stephen did not cure the rage within the heart of the mob. No more than the risen waters of the Red Sea cured Pharaoh's hard heart. The torn veil, clear evidence, the torn veil didn't cure the heart of the egotistical priest no more than the empty tomb cured the heart of the greedy soldiers. The heart condition, the heart condition of man, this is not an old problem long gone. This is an old problem long going. From desperate pleas of a young boy in a wheel suffering under the indifference and cruelty of 11 older brothers to the desperate pleas of a man suffering under the indifference and cruelty of a justice system. The problem is ongoing. I hear you calling for your mama. I hear you saying you can't breathe. I hear the crowd around shouting and begging for your life, but I don't care. I got a heart condition. You see, we've heard the plea of our Lord and Savior as he lay fastened to the cross. Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. They don't get it. They don't get it. Most of us and I'm first upon that list of most of us. I'll be first. I'll admit it. You know, we, 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 we think of the master's plea. We think of these words that we read and read simply within the confines of the text. 